This morning, I want to talk to you this week and next week about something that's important, that is learning to step out of our boat. What does that look like to step out of our boat? This is something I do with my class every semester. It's transformational for them as they kind of look at this. What does that mean to, mean to do to get out of your boat? Most of us want a comfort zone, and I think what God's calling us to do is get out of our boat and, and do something greater for Him, and I want us to do that. And like I said, my, my, my uh, heart is that over the next month, month and a half, six weeks, that we will begin to engage more of our neighbors, our people around us. That's what I want to talk to the Sunday school workers about today. What does that look like? Because let me just share this with you guys. If we can't agree that our desire and our purpose is to glorify God by reaching this community with the gospel, then there's no purpose for us to be here. There's no reason whatsoever. Would you agree with that, yes or no? And so I think what we have to do is we have to look and begin to think what it means if we are all part of this together, not just one of us. And guys, I think part of this too is we have to, we have to realize that, that, that there are many ways that Satan uses to destroy us. He uses our words. He uses our attitudes. He uses all those things to destroy us. And what we need to do is be an encouragement to each other and stand up and be the body of Christ. Jesus paid the price for each one of us. Matthew chapter 14, 22-33 simply says, Immediately, Jesus made uh, the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat was a considerable, already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, about three o'clock in the morning, Jesus went out to them, walked on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it is you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand, caught him, and you a little faith, he said, why do you doubt? And when he climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. Here's the challenge. We have to get out of our boat. We have to get out of our boat. I'm going to give you several things here just to think about. First of all, there's more to life than sitting in the boat. There's more to life than sitting in the boat. There's more to life than sitting safely in a boat. And number two... Make no mistake that every one of us has a boat. All of us have a boat. I mean, I've been Baptist long enough to know that we all have opinions, and we all think our opinions matter, as if God has to ask us for permission to do something, or he's actually thinking that we're going to change his mind on what he's doing. Guys, that's not the case here, not at all. We all have boats. Our boats are fear. Our boats are religion. Our boats are tradition. Our boats are opinions. Our boats are a lot of things. And I know, I've been in church long enough to know that when you start talking about these things, you irritate people. 
We shouldn't be irritated by the truth. We should be set free by the truth. Every one of us has a boat. Every one of us has a comfort zone that we have to live in. And my prayer for you, the next one is, my prayer for you is that you'll face your apprehensions and choose not to let your fear have the last word in your life. Don't let your fear have the last word in your life. But rather, my, 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 here's my prayer, is that you will embrace the unique calling in your life outside of your boat. Every one of us has a unique calling. Every one of us, God has created for a purpose. God has put here to use us for his glory. The purpose of church is not to come and simply to charge our batteries. The purpose of church, guys, is not so that we, I mean, we shop for churches in our culture today. Like people shop for shoes. We shop for churches. We say, well, this meets my need for a season. And we're looking at it reversed. The issue is not what is God, what, what is God doing for me? The issue should be, what are we going to do for God? What are we doing for Him? And I can promise you that God has called us to be more than safe church members. He's called us to do more than simply that. We must embrace our unique calling. You know the saddest thing for me? Is I'm, is, you know I've told you before, I'm 55 years old. The saddest thing for me is talk to senior adults who never really understood what their calling was. We've worked jobs, but we don't understand what our calling is. We don't understand how we're created. And over the next couple of months, I'm going to take some time and walk through what it means to understand our calling. Because I want you to experience the power of God in your life. To do something for God that you would not be able to do on your own. Have you ever done anything like that? Have you ever stepped out of your boat and done something for God that you couldn't do on your own, that only God could do through you? Yes or no? Have you ever really seen God move in your life? Or is it all about this church thing that we do and that's about it? I mean, I want you to think about it. I, ultimately, God's desire for you and for me is to get out of our boats and to serve others and to share our faith with a non-Christian world. To take the gospel to a non-Christian. As a disciple, number seven, learn to do it every day of your life. You can do it. Guys, let me say this to you. Some of us, our boat is fear. Some of us, our boat is because we just, we're so used to what it's always been, we don't want to change from that. Come on, it's the truth. We, have, we all have opinions, don't we? My mom, for instance, my mom loves Southern gospel music. How many of y'all love Southern gospel music? Okay, I'm going to offend half the church here right now, okay? I'm not a Southern gospel fan. I'm just not. You know why? Because my first church ruined me on it. If I heard this once, I heard it a thousand times. Don't listen to me, just listen to the words. When people say that, it's going to be bad, okay? I can promise you it's going to be bad. And I heard so much bad Southern gospel that I just, be honest with you, I got to the point it wasn't my big thing. And I know right now I'm offending half of you here. But why am I offending you? Because that's your preference. Look at me. That is our preference. Some of us prefer broccoli. Some of us prefer Brussels sprouts. I prefer neither. Some of us like salads. I think, no, no, no. 
Salad is not food. Salad is what food eats. You understand what I'm saying? We all have preferences, don't we? My wife loves Dr. Pepper. She would kill for a Dr. Pepper. You know what I mean? I mean, I like yoo-hoos. You know what a yoo-hoo is? I like yoo-hoos. I mean, we all have preferences, guys. We all have preferences. And we let those become our boats. We do. We do that in business meetings. We do that because we think that's what we've always supposed to have. And that's not what it's supposed to be. It's not. When I ask you this morning, look around if someone, how many of y'all know someone who's not here today? Raise your hand up. Come on. How many of you will call those people this week? Raise your hand back up. Now, look, come on. Raise your hand back up. Why would you not call them this week? Oh, because they may not want me to call them. Really? Can you overlove somebody? Yes or no? Yes or no? No, you can't. You can't. Guys, I'm telling you. I'm, I'm telling you. Here in a few months, I'm going to be gone as your interim pastor. And you're going to have your own pastor. What are you going to have? You got one big boat that you hide in? I'm serious as I can be. Guys, the purpose of this church is to reach this community with the gospel. That's what the purpose of this church is for, guys. It's to touch this community with Christ. That's what it's for. But man, I'm telling you, do you know why guys are in seminary right now? Most of them, I'm serious, when I was in seminary, 90% of our guys wanted to be a local church pastor. Right now, about 60% of the students I have in my seminary classes, they want to go and work a regular job and just take the gospel back into community because they don't want to be a part of a local church because they say, I've been a part of local churches that have been burned and hurt so much, it drives me nuts. You know why? Because people have boats. Bring the next slide up. What is your boat? Is your, look at this. A boat is a seemingly safe, secure, stable, comfortable, familiar situation. Now, let's be honest here right now. How many of us, that, if you put that at the top, that would define your life right now? Come on, be honest. Seemingly safe, secure, stable, comfortable situation. How many of us prefer those kind of things? Come on, let's be honest. Let me ask you this. Show me that in Scripture. Show me that that's what God's called us to be in Scripture. Someone right now, pull your Bible up, stand up, show me that in Scripture. Come on, I'm going to give you a moment here. If anybody can do that, I'll give you a $100 check right now. I'm serious. I, gotta, I, I promise you I'll write you a $100 check. Because you won't find that in Scripture. So why do we seek that? Because we think this is about us. We do. And we really think that God cares about our opinions. He don't. God cares about his kingdom. Look what it says. It can be a familiar situation. It can be a job. Some of us use our jobs to hide in so that we don't have to do anything else. I have people all the time tell me, I don't have time to witness because I work so much. Because I worked almost 90 hours this week. 
almost 90 hours. You know what I found out? I found out you can share the gospel every week if you put the gospel into your life everywhere you go. You can do it at a restaurant. You can do it in your neighborhood. You can do it where you buy. You go to, go to the pharmacy. You can do it anywhere if you're willing to do it. I promise you, right now, there are people at the race today who set this date aside because they intentionally wanted to be at the race, which is great. I'm a big NASCAR fan myself. I'm a big NASCAR fan. Helped start a raceway ministry when I was in Indianapolis working with Joe Gibbs and, and, and uh, Daryl Waltrip and, and all those guys like that over there at that time. Seriously. You know, got to meet Jeff Gordon at the Billy Graham Crusade a few years after that. Spent some time. I love NASCAR. I was a Richard Petty fan growing up as a kid. I can remember when he had the big wing on the back of his car. That's the first time I ever stole anything in my whole life. Do you know that? They used to have that in the, in, the, in the cereal boxes when I was a kid. It's a true story. I don't know if you remember this, but they used to put, they put it in a little car in a cereal box. My mom and dad wouldn't buy that cereal box. I wanted that car. My next door neighbor, one of my best friends down the street, his mom and dad bought him that cereal box. He had that car outside. His mom called him in the house to go eat dinner. You know what I did? I grabbed his car and chunked it up to my yard so I could have it. That's the first thing I ever stole in my whole life. I felt guilty two hours later playing with it and snuck back down there and put it back on his back porch and ran home. I love NASCAR. But I promise, and again, I, I think it's cool, guys. Get a chance to go to that, go to that. But it's people, people, I promise you, are busy in their life, but they, they're not bit too busy to be intentional enough to go do things they enjoy, right? Am I right? Yes or no? You will make time for what's important with you, won't you? Come on. I will make time to be with my wife and my kids. You know, I'll make time, you know, to get in my Jeep and take the top down and drive out in the mountains. That's exactly what we did yesterday. Beautiful day. We drove up there, saw all the leaves changing. I'll make time to spend a day with my wife. I will make time to do stuff I love. I'll make time to go fishing. I'll make time to go hunting. What do you make time for? You see, guys, we're in our boats. We, a church ministry. You know a study found out in 2005? Did you, know that, did you know that well over half of Southern Baptist pastors, this 2005 study, they found out had not shared their faith with anybody in six months? You know why? Because pastors and ministers hide in church ministries, and they say, well, I'm already doing the work of God, and they never share the gospel outside the pulpit. I mean, a church ministry. A boyfriend or girlfriend relationship, or maybe a husband-wife relationship. You know, friends. A routine. Boy, do any of us have a routine? How many of y'all order the same thing every time you go to the restaurant? How many of y'all, if you go to, go to like 190 different flavors of ice cream, you get vanilla? You're sick, Daniel. You're sick, buddy. That's, there's something wrong with that. You got to get out of your boat, man. I'm like, give me the one that has the grasshoppers in it. You know what I mean? And put chocolate over the top of it because chocolate makes everything better. You know what I'm talking about? Seriously. Guys, some of us have made our lives such a routine and we've made Christianity a routine, a reputation, an income level. Do you know what our problem is? You know know what our problem is as a nation? Look at me. Our problem as a nation, guys, is that we're too affluent. We don't think we need anything. Even our poorest of the poor people in America would be wealthy overseas. When I was in Russia a few years ago, the lady that, that took care of me made $10 a month. That's what she lived off of. She had one meal a day. 
One meal a day. We're, we're, I mean, we're spoiled and we don't even know it. It's truth. We're spoiled like crazy and we don't even know it. A routine, a reputation, income level, your family, a town, a role, a title, a style, a way of doing things. Oh, my goodness gracious alive. That's the biggest boat we Baptists ride in, isn't it? When I mentioned that a minute ago about Southern Gospel and I told some of y'all I didn't like it, some of y'all went, hmm, I don't like you either. <laughs> you don't like Southern Gospel, I don't like you. Guys, I, you got to understand, I'm a ZZ Top fan, man. I like ZZ Top music with words to it. I mean, that's what I like, yeah. You're going, well, that's just sinful. No, it's not. It's a preference. It's a preference. It's a preference. You don't believe they use musical instruments all through the... Read Psalms sometime, for goodness sake. Don't you think that ever so often they would be playing those music and they get a beat going really good? Because I grew up in a church that told me that if we, we, we have music to a beat to us, we're all going straight to hell. Don't pass go. Don't collect your $100. You're done. Our hair, they were supposed to touch our ears. It's the truth. We, we, we've, we've created these boats, a way of doing things. It's like Robert's rules of order rules our Christian life. And you know, the problem is, I've never met anybody who ever read Robert's rules of order. People just raise up their hand and go, you're out of order? Out of order for what? What do we do? Well, we're, we tabled that. That's supposed to be, where's that table? You, you know what I'm talking about with meetings and stuff? I mean, seriously, guys. We have got so engaged with the structure of church, we forgot to be the church. And all God's people should be saying what? Amen. Because we've lost perspective on who we are supposed to be. And let me share this with you. A new pastor ain't going to fix that unless we wake up and realize that there's a community that needs Jesus out here. And our job is not to make everybody happy. It's for all of us to be holy. It's the truth. I love you guys. I do. I love getting to do this. I love being a part of your life. I love the fact that you let me come here and be a part of this and do this with you. But my goodness gracious, guys. Look at this. Health challenges. I mean, goodness. Look at my wife, Debbie. Debbie continues, even in the middle of all that this week, she kept our neighbor's kid. <laughs> I mean, and we baptized those neighbors, by the way. I mean, health challenges, your personality. Oh, I'm shy. I can't share the gospel with somebody because I'm too shy to do that. Really? Really? Do you know some of the best witnesses I have in my classes are the shyest students I have? You know why? Because they're the least intimidating. We don't share the gospel because we're shy. We share the gospel because we don't want to. We don't minister to people because we're, sh we're shy. We don't minister to people because we don't make time for it. Because we've let it become a boat. Preferences. Oh, my goodness gracious. We could, I, could, I could preach on that for six weeks. Preferences. We already talked about that. A way of thinking. A video game. That's for the young people here. Because some of you, your life is more in the virtual world than it is in the real world. And that's become your life. You need to put the video games down a while and actually realize there's real people out there, your friends, that are hurting. And by the way, 
Zach can back me up on this. The chances, do you realize 85% of the people that come to Christ come to Christ before the age of 16? So for those of you who are younger, put your video games down long enough to reach your friends with the gospel because the chances of reaching them later is much more that they won't come to Christ than they will come to Christ. But we have preferences because we're so entertainment-driven. Our computer, our phone, any excuse, fears. Any fear in this building? Anybody get afraid sometimes, yes or no, amen? Listen, I'm not trying to tear us down. I want to build us up. So I want you to bring the next slide up for me, okay? Here's what I want us to do. What do we learn from Peter? Bring it up. Go ahead, first one. First thing we learn from Peter. Peter was safe and secure in life, but he was spiritually confined by the boat. Well, he was safe and secure. Do you know what my greatest fear is? Come on. Anybody here want to share with your greatest fears? What's your greatest fear, man? What are you scared of? Snakes, okay. What are you scared of, man? What are you scared of? What's your greatest fear? What would it be? Come on. What's your greatest fear? Losing a family. Huh? The election. Okay. <laughs> What's your greatest fear, man? You like snakes? I don't either. What's your greatest fear? Come on, think about it. What is your greatest fear? Somebody tell me. What's your greatest fear? What's your greatest fear, man? Seriously, what's your greatest fear? What is your greatest fear? Yes. Not providing for your family. Hell will be at the top of that, right? You know what my greatest fear is? My greatest fear is to have di- to die and never lived. You see, the issue of life is not the length of life. And I don't like snakes either. But the issue of life is not, listen to me carefully here. The issue of life is not the length of life. It's the breadth of life. You can live 90 years and never live. And you live 20 years and live like crazy. Because every moment, every minute, every second should be God's. People ask me all the time, why do, you, why do you push so hard and do all this? Don't you know it's going to wear you out? Because I have this passion that I don't want to miss it. I'd rather die young and have lived and live long and miss it. Does that make sense? Guys, I think when you look at us, sometimes we're surviving, but we're not living. Is that true? I mean, think about it. Peter was safe and secure, but he was confined by his boat. You ever, have you ever tried to get outside of your boat, whatever it is? Or do you just continue to use these same excuses to hide from the very thing God wants you to do? I'm too shy, I'm too this, I'm scared, I don't want to do this, I don't have time, I'm too busy, I'm too, you fill in the blank. Because I'm telling you, we are a generation in the church that live in boats. Look what it says, as long as you do what you've always done, you will always be what you've always been. 
or less. I want to see Rocky Mount Baptist Church get outside of their boats and see what God can really do if we trust Him. For instance, I don't know what you're, you're sharing. I don't know. I want you to research this out for me. I want to know what your highest total you've ever given to the uh, uh, Gladi Moon, all right? And I want to challenge the church to break it. And I promise you, Debbie and I already talked about this, I will commit one whole week of my salary for this church towards that, okay? Because I want us to get outside of our boat and do some things. How about this? I, we were talking about this the other night, that friend day. Why couldn't we have people hanging off the rafters on friend day? The only people in between that happening is whether or not we take it seriously. What I'm going to ask you to do on friend day is I'm going to ask you to invite people, bring them with you, contact people, maybe who've missed church a little bit or been out for a little bit, and bring them with you. And then what I'm going to ask you to do is simply, why don't you make a commitment to take them back to your house for dinner that afternoon, spend some time with them. If you can't afford to, I committed to them the other night that I would give gift certificates to anybody who couldn't afford to, and I'll pay for it. I'm serious. I'm not saying that to do anything, make you feel bad. I'm saying it because that's how bad I want to see us do this. I want to see us go into this Christmas season and serve this community. I want us to make some cards up that says, just because we care, put stuff on the back of our church and then go through drive-thrus all of this community and just buy the persons behind us and leave a couple of cards and let them give it to the person behind you. And just put thousands of those out there in this community and let people wonder, I wonder what's happening at Rocky Mount Baptist Church. Those people actually care for us. I'd like, like for you to get to know your neighbors. You know that guy down the street that drives you nuts because a kid plays his music too loud and you want to call the police on him? Don't call the police on him. Cook for his family. Love them. Get outside of your comfort zone. I watched a kid in Fort, Fort Worth, Texas a few years ago. I was doing a, a, a block party down there outside of Southwestern Seminary. And I watched a kid come up to me. We had um, police officers riding on horses at this thing. We had about 1,000 people at this. And all of a sudden, these, these, these Hispanic gangs started showing up and just finding out what was going on their turf. Well, you know what? One of my students walked over to me, and I promise you this. I don't mean to sound bad, but it's honest, goodness, truth. He's, he's a great kid. He's done great things in ministry. He was the dorkiest kid I've ever had in my life. He came up to me, and he's wearing his khaki pants. You couldn't tell the difference before his pants stopped and his, and his legs started. I'm serious. And he, was, he came up with this, and just everything he said, he said, Dr. Will, I'm going to go over there and start working with those, those, those uh, gangs. And I thought, they're going to kill you. But an hour later, he had them sitting down, sharing the gospel, leading them to Christ. I thought, wow. Because the gospel only works when we're willing to work the gospel. When we're willing to take the gospel out. That kid understood he wasn't afraid of what those people could do to him. He was more afraid that God wouldn't be pleased with him if he didn't take the gospel to them. I think most of us, honestly, are more afraid of our own things than we are afraid that God would be disappointed if we don't take the gospel to them because we like our boats. We enjoy our boats. Bring up the next one. 
Number two, Peter desired a greater life that both pleased God and freed up his deepest inner desires to make a difference in the lives of others. He wanted to change the world. Come on, Peter's standing out there on the side of that boat. Can you get that picture here? And he sees Jesus in the distance, and the boat's going like crazy. You know, and he's standing out there. And I mean, and you've got to be nuts to want to step outside that boat and with the water like that. But he sees Jesus. And he, he realized there was something deep in his soul that wanted something more than religion, that wanted something more than just sitting in that silly boat. He wanted something more than that. He wanted to make a difference. And so what did he do? What did he do? He steps out on the water. And he goes. It's what he does because that's what Peter does. That's what we should be doing. Do you want to change the world, yes or no? Let me share this with you. I know we should pray for our election, but let me say this to you guys. I mean this with all honesty. Who we have in the White House is not going to change the world. Jesus is going to change the world. And if we're not willing to take Jesus to the world, don't expect the world to be changed. Number three, bring it up. Ultimately, Peter was compelled by Christ to join him water walker, regardless of the risk. You see, according to Henry Blackaby, you cannot continue life as usual and stay where you are and go with God at the same time. You can't. Do you get what I'm saying today, guys? Yes or no? Do you really get what I'm saying today? Come on. Yes or no? Yes or no? I want you to wake up. If this was my class, I'd have you stand up and do calisthenics right now. Come on. Let's become charismatic for a minute. If you get what I'm saying, wave your arms like this. Come on. Yeah. There we go. Understand this. He was compelled. You know why? Because when you seek the heart of God, God will compel you. That means he will urgently push you. He will drive you. You will feel a sense that if I don't do this, I know that I've missed God's best for me. Regardless of the risk, he did it cannot continue life as usual and stay where you are and go with God at the same time. Hmm. Listen to some of the examples here. Noah could not continue life as usual and build an ark at the same time. Moses could not stay on the backside of the desert herding sheep and stand before Pharaoh at the same time. So Moses took a risk. He left his cushy job and his father-in-law's business to obey God's command to confront Pharaoh and order him to let God's people go. Joshua took a risk when he followed the command of God to step into the Jordan River, believing that it would open so that he and his army could cross. He also took a risk marching around the walls of Jericho for seven days, blowing trumpets, and the walls fell flat. At the same time, Rahab turned her back on her lucrative prostitution business in order to follow God. Sometimes we, we may be doing something illegal or wrong, but we're scared to let that go. I shared the gospel with a guy on a plane uh, several months ago, about a year ago, and, and I was heading to California, and I shared the gospel with this guy. Come to find out this guy, this guy was, was, was making like three, four, five hundred thousand dollars a year. You know what he was? He was a male dancer. And looked at me and started, started weeping because he said, I don't want my kids to do this kind of thing. i got to get out of this thing. He was trapped in the money and what he was doing. He was like Rahab. He needed to say, God, I will trust you to take care of me and my family, but I'm going to do the right thing. 
He sat there on that plane and wept with me. Ruth risked the familiar to strike out with her mother-in-law. Gideon took a risk to face an army of thousands with only 300 men. David had to leave his sheep to become the king and military leader. Elijah took a risk when he faced 900 wicked prophets. And the evil king Ahab, along with Queen Jezebel on Mount Carmel, challenged them to a prayer duel, and the fire came down. Esther laid her life on the line to save her people. Amos had to leave the safety of tending the sycamore trees and herding sheep in order to preach to Israel. Jonah had to leave his home and overcome major prejudice in order to preach repentance to the people of Nineveh. Peter, Andrew, James, and John had to leave the security of their fishing business in order to follow Jesus. Matthew had to leave his lucrative tax collector's booth in order to follow Christ, and so did Zacchaeus. Saul, later Paul, had to completely change directions in his life in order to be used of God to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. He was beaten and abused multiple times. And how about this? Jesus left the security of heaven to minister to us. I love what Erwin McManus says here. He says, I'm convinced that the greatest tragedy is not the sins we commit, but the life that we fail to live. You cannot follow God in neutral. God created you to do something great for him. So how are you going to handle this, guys? How are you going to respond? There's basically three responses today. I want you to bring it up there for me. Number one, nope. Ain't moving. Nothing you can say or do will make me get out of my boat. I'm too old. I'm I'm too inexperienced. I'm too this. I'm too that. I'm too whatever. I don't want to get out of my boat. Is that what you want to say, yes or no? No. Number two, I finally got out of my boat, but I'm afraid to start to sink. I need more faith to be a water walker. Come on, some of you have given it a shot a few times, and you've shared the gospel with friends, and they got mad at you, so here's what happened. Rather than, than realizing this is spiritual warfare, and Satan wants to do great things, here's what you did. You pulled yourself back and said, well, I guess I must not be good at this, because they didn't respond. It had nothing to do with their response. It has to do with our being faithful to God and trusting Him for what He wants to do. And so some of us think we're sinking when we're really not sinking. God's using you, and you don't know He's using you. But Satan is such a deceiver, he takes those experiences and perverts them and makes us believe the wrong thing, because that's what Satan does. Or you can have the third response. I heard the call. Today, I say to God, I'm willing to get out of my boat and walk on water with him. I'm going to preach on this next week. I'm going to finish this up. We're going to watch a video next week tied, tied to some of this as part of it. I'm going to finish up this whole study. But I want to ask you, which one of those defines where you are right now? Be honest about it. Guys, let me say this to you. You can ignore what I'm saying and act like it don't matter. But if I'm preaching anything that's not biblical truth, why don't you stand up and tell me that right now? Because if it's truth, it's truth no matter how we respond. The issue is, are we going to accept it as truth? Yes or no? You get what I'm saying here? Let me ask you a question here just real quick. How many of us would freely admit that we have a boat? Come on, raise your hand up. 
How many of us realize we have a boat? We just don't know what the boat is yet. <laughs> Guys, all of us have a boat. All of us have a comfort thing that we go to. It's true. Come on. My wife got sick. You know what my comfort level was? Chicken fried steak. It's true. There's a place down the road. Never told you this, Zach. It's a place down the road from the hospital where David was in Fort Worth, Texas. And chicken fried steak's a big deal in Texas. Funny thing is, it's not chicken. It is fried, and it's not steak. I'm not sure what kind of meat it is, but when you put enough gravy on anything, it makes it good. You know what I'm talking about? And I was so, absolutely. And when I was, when I was, I was so down and facing everything, going through all the stuff. You know how I compensated for it? I ate. And I ate. And I ate. Next thing I know, I gained all kinds of weight. And I realized my boat had become the comfort food I sought. And that eventually, I'd have heart problems just like my father who did the same thing. So I had to wake up one morning and decide, no, I'm not going to do that. Because I need to be as faithful as I can to God. But some of us treat our boat like comfort food. There's nothing wrong with that, guys. I like beans and taters just like all of you guys. Cornbread, man, I'm telling you. Chow chow, yeah. No moonshine, please. No, 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 no. I know this is the moonshine capital, no. But guys, think about this. Are you comfortable in your Christianity to the point that it's just paralyzed you? And the thought of stepping out of that boat terrifies you. If that's the case, step out anyway. You will never know what you were meant to be until you're willing to try what only God can do. I promise you. Step out of your boat. So this morning, maybe you've never received Christ, your personal Savior. You need to step out of your boat. Maybe, maybe you're saying to God, God, I just can't do this. And God's saying, you can't do it through me. God is saying to you, it's time. Maybe there's others of us, and I know there's many of us sitting here right now that realize that we have a boat in our life that we need to take care of. We need to blow that boat up because it's holding us down. We need to do exactly what it is God wants us to do. So I'm going to ask you to stand with me right now. They're going to begin to play. I'm going to lead us in a word of prayer. Nobody leave, please. Don't leave. Okay? Don't leave. I'm going to ask you to come this way. I'm going to ask you to kneel down with me here. And just ask God, God, help me blow that boat up. God, I know you're calling me to do more than I am. God, you're thinking to yourself, I don't have time. Well, maybe you need to look at the time you're spending because maybe what you're doing has become your boat. Maybe that's not what God really wants you to do. Maybe you do so much that just makes you feel comfortable. It feels like you're doing a lot for God, but it's not really advancing his kingdom. So what's God calling you to do? What's your boat?
Guys, we as a church need, need to blow our boat up. We need to become water walkers. We need to take chances. We need to step out and do what God wants us to do. You'll never achieve great things for God until you take the first step. I'm serious. I challenge you today with your family, with your kids, you individually. Don't look all, every other direction. If you want to make an altar right there at your seat, sit down there with your husband or wife. And you pray that God will take you the next couple months into your community and use you like never before. But to step out, blow up the boat, and say yes. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray right now, God, that you will take each one of us and use us for your glory. Because, God, we know without a doubt that, Lord, you have amazing things in store for us. So, Father, I pray right now that you will help us, God, to get out of our boats and to walk with you. Thank you, Father. It's a real simple thing, God. You've called us out to do more. To be faithful. To not just be church members, but to really be on mission with you. Today, God, we step out and we say, yes, Lord. Whatever it takes, that's what I'll be. Thank you, Father.